0: Throwing, free throw no, look where I'm going,
1: in my house, baby. Well, Greetings and welcome time. to the Pickin' Pod It's April 26th, a lot of hoops to talk about today uh, I'm Kevin Kelly, I'm joined today by Brenton Petty Brenton, hey, how you, how you doing?
0: doing? My debut today You ready to talk some hoops? <laughs> yes, sir
1: That's what I like to hear Vinny DeBellis on my right, how you feeling? Can't complain. we got playoff basketball. I'm excited. I know, and the series are a lot better than we expected. We also got Brendan O'Connell running the board back there for us, and he'll be jumping in here and there throughout. Brendan, how are you feeling back there?
2: I'm good. Go Celts, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will get to the Celtics, but we got to start off with a little talk about the Coach of the Year. Steve Kerr won that today. The award came out. He he got first. He had 64 first-place votes. He ended up with 381 points total. Terry Stotts was right behind him with uh, 37 first-place votes and 335 points. Personally, I think Stotts should have won. The rest of the the way it shook out, uh, Greg Popovich was third, Steve Clifford was fourth, Casey was fifth, and then Brad Stevens of the Celtics was sixth. I think he probably should have been higher as well. But I think the biggest problem with this for me is that Stotts didn't win it. I know that the Warriors just had a season when they went 73-9, and but I think what Stotts has done in Portland, they lose four starters coming into this year. Nobody expects them to even be close to the playoffs let alone get in and be a five seed. I, I personally, I, I take a little bit of, you know, I have a little bit of a problem with that, but I don't know what you guys are feeling about the coach of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, I feel, um, Kerr, he missed 43 games this year. You know, Luke Walton came in and coached. He finished with a record of 39-4. And Stocks did a really good job. You know, he, he he took a score. He has the most improved player in C.J. McCullen. He yep. went from averaging six points to, you know, almost 20 points this year. And, you know, him and Damian Lillard have been doing really good. And they, Like you said, they lost four starters. And then I also feel like Brad Stevens should have got a little bit more votes and he should have been maybe like th- tied for third or something like that because he did a really excellent job with the Celtics and stuff too.
1: Yeah, he actually only got five first-place votes. And I thought, I mean, I think – a lot of the stories that are coming out now is how good a coach he really is, and you, you can see it when you're watching them play. He puts his players in a position to succeed every time they're out there.
3: Yeah, Stevens remarkable, Stotts as well, and as you said, no, I mean, no one expected the Blazers to do anything this year. Making the playoffs would have been a big goal, and here they have a shot to advance into the next round of the playoffs. But um, I think just the sheer record that the Warriors had, and th- that, that just wowed voters I would have probably voted for someone on the Warriors to, to win it, whether it was uh, Walton or Kerr. And I think and Walton did get votes, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah he, he had finished, a few. finished eighth. Yeah.
0: yeah. If, if they could eighth, have split
3: right. it, I think that would have been ideal just because they both sort of had a hand in that remarkable record. And also the the story of Kerr overcoming the back surgery and that, I think. Won over some voters as well.
0: Yeah. And then just to kind of, like, you know, give Kerr some more props, like the system he, he like, implemented with the Golden State Warriors after Mark Jackson left, you know, they weren't, like, that much of a defensive team. And, you know, he he has, like, the ball movement going on. And, like, he, that system he has with the Warriors is really special, what he did. Like, to even have when he wasn't there for it, they said that he was really, like, into the team when he wasn't – Um, when he had his back surgery. He was telling, like, calling Luke Walton, watching the games and stuff like that. So, I feel just because he missed all those games, he was still part of the team, and he like did had a really good system in place for them.
1: Right. Yeah. it Definitely sounded like he was still involved, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have been in the in the top of the you know top of the list for the voting at least. But for I don't know personally, I feel like Stotts should have won it. If he had been Kerr had been even top three, I would have been okay with it. But I don't know what Stotts did this year. I I know a lot of the time this award does go to the guy who ends up producing the best record. And, I mean, that's just how it goes. But I think what Stotts did is was uh, kind of unexpected. Kirk, they're coming off a championship. They obviously have a great team coming in. It just wasn't kind of the same elevation. But moving right along, since we're talking about Portland, let's move on to the Clippers and Blazers series. That one took a crazy turn last night when we see Chris Paul go down with a broken hand in the third quarter. Blake Griffin tweaked his quad, I believe, in the fourth. Um, and we just found out, Brenton, right beforehand. Yeah, he's found out, out. He's
0: out for the playoffs, and that's a huge loss. And and on top of that, they said Chris Paul is out for four to six weeks after the surgery. So you never know how that goes. So they're both out. The best two players. So that series just kind of took you know a, a toll. Like the Trailblazers are now are now in the favorites. And and I look at this as the Warriors are kind of catching a break here. I agree, yeah. Because I felt like the Clippers were the team that, you know, they, they were going to play in the, in the next series, and I thought they were going to have a you know a tough time with the Clippers. But now without Chris Paul and without Blake Griffin, the Trailblazers are the fav- favorites. And I feel the Warriors are kind of catching a break for the next series where Steph Curry can kind of like take his time and like the role players, and it will be a really good series, the Trailblazers and the Warriors.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree more that the it's the, it's the perfect storm for the Warriors with curry out and how 24 hours ago we were looking at the clippers as uh possibly the it favorites so quickly yeah, yeah to, to advance to the conference finals if not the finals with those guys healthy and maybe a little added motivation seeing the stuff was out and now as you said i don't even think they're going to get past the blazers so it it really hurts for the clippers who've had a kind of up and down season with everything that's going on with blake And uh, I know this hurts for Chris Paul, seeing that he just Mm. has never been the greatest uh, playoff player. And now that he is out with uh, this opportunity in front of him, it's got to hurt for them.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I I think the thing is, with Blake Griffin, Doc Rivers was saying right after the game ended that he was probably 50-50 for Game 5. And now it seems like out of nowhere we hear that he's just done for the whole playoffs. And one of the things I was thinking... Going into this is, we've seen the Clippers survive without one of either Chris Paul or Blake Griffin. We saw them do it without Blake Griffin for a lot of the end of the year. They managed to get guys like Reddick involved, but we haven't really seen them do it without both of them, and I just don't think they can survive. I think Portland's going to, if they lose this game, so uh, Game 5 is tomorrow night in L.A., and if they lose this game, I think the atmosphere in Portland is going to be nuts, and I think it's it's pretty much over going in Portland.
0: Yeah, yeah, and on top of that, the Clippers were already they weren't that deep as a team already. They were already having bench struggles, so now you have to you have to interpret. You have to put um, Austin Rivers into the starting lineup, maybe a Jeff Green or a Paul Pierce, guys. You know. Who really haven't been playing well this playoff series? Who they they depended a lot on Chris Paul. He did a lot for him. Like last night, he scored the first twelve points of the last game. Last night he was playing. He like
1: was, it was it was impressive because the Blazers came out swinging and yeah. he really kept them so, in it.
0: So so that, that that's a really huge loss for them.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's really sad. And we saw the Blazers are actually getting contributions from those other guys. Like we saw last night, Al Camino ended up with thirty, 30 points, points and ten <laughs> boards. I mean, that's a great time yeah. to have a career high.
0: And then if you think about it, you know. Um, CJ McCullough and Damon Lillard weren't having a great shooting night last night. And, you know, um, the game before that, they had a great shooting night. So they've kind of been on and off. But, like, to get a a great contribution from Aminu was great. And then now with Chris Paul out, like, I know Damon Lillard, I remember him saying that how tough a defender Chris Paul was. Now you're putting the Austin Rivers or or somebody like that on him, and you know he's it's not going to he's not going to be like the same and he's going to you know take advantage of that matchup.
1: Yeah. And we saw a couple times last night when I think McCollum was being guarded by Rivers and it was just like there were a couple times he just pump faked and Rivers <laughs> yeah, would blow yeah. by and McCollum would have a wide open look. I it's going to be really tough for them to to guard their backcourt. Uh,
0: yeah.
3: One of the best backcourts in the league no doubt and they showed last night that they're more than just an incredibly tough backcourt. As you said, Lillard and McCollum didn't have their greatest nights. And Aminu really rose to the challenge. He was a guy who was being criticized early in the series for not being able to shoot the three. And last night he goes 6 for 10 from three, 30 points. Incredible. And you got Mason Plumley, who didn't score a lot, but puts up 14 rebounds, 10 assists, and just to have that from a center position and uh, just real playmaking ability, that that's going to be tough no matter who they play.
1: That's huge. And we on. saw him passing out of the post, like out to Amino and a couple of the other guys. And one of the other guys we saw actually light it up last night was Alan Crabb. He came out and played. Yeah. I played a nice game as well. And that's, that's the thing with Lillard and McCollum. If they understand they're not having a great shooting night, they're still penetrating and like creating opportunities for their teammates. And we saw Lillard dish it out to Crabb for a wide-open look at one point. It was a – I mean – they played a great game, but it's kind of being overshadowed by all these injuries. I I don't know. This is a devastating situation to be in for the Clippers, and a conversation for another day is before the season. Doc Rivers had kind of talked about this team maybe going a different direction if they didn't make it to the finals or have a great year this year. But it's it's difficult when it ends in injuries instead of yeah. oh we just lost we just lost the series.
0: Yeah, so it's it's really tough for them, man. I, I like. Like Vinny was say, I really feel for Chris Paul. You know, this he's he's at the end of his prime, really, and you know he really hasn't had any playoff success. And then this is just another year where you know most likely they're going to lose and they're going to be out the first round. And he hasn't made it past the second round. Uh, he hasn't been to the conference finals, and I don't think his whole career. So it's, it's just tough for him, uh, and I really feel for him. And I and you could see he was upset when he heard us when he talked when he was talking to the trainer last night, and he was going through his wrist and saw that it was broke. And he kind of put his head down and stormed off to the locker room. So I really feel for him.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully he can come back totally healthy next year. It's just the worst possible timing. And, uh, again, I, I'm still stunned by, by the Blake news. I mean, we'll move on. But that, that is, that's crazy to me that last night it was, oh, 50-50. He just tweaked it. And even he was saying, like, oh, we'll see how it feels in 24 to 48 hours. And then today we're hearing he's just done for the playoffs. Yeah. That's that's really difficult to bounce back from. But moving right along, let's go to the Hornets Heat, who also played last night. They've got game five tomorrow in Miami. The Hornets managed to tie it up last night. The Hornets have been playing some really inspired basketball. We looked; they had one of the worst losses to start that series that we've seen so far in these playoffs. They got absolutely blown off the floor in Miami in game one, and I'm I'm really liking what I see from the Hornets. Kemba Walker is going all out. And he's getting contributions all around. They're they're playing a, a really great game of basketball right now.
0: Yeah, and like you said, they got blown out the first game. I, I kinda thought the series was over after the first game. I thought I the know. heat I thought the heat were gonna just maybe not sweep him but at least go five games. I thought this series was pretty much over. But like you said, Kimball Walker had thirty-four points last night. And another guy that I really like, Len Sanity. Jeremy Jeremy Lynn is back. You know, he had twenty-one points last night. And I feel like the combination of him and Kimball Walker are really tough with Miami Heat. And another thing I was looking at the Miami Heat are really having trouble scoring. Like, the last two games, last night they had 85, and the night before they had 80 points, so. Um,
1: yeah, they go through stretches where they yeah, just can't really create offense. They
0: just can't score, so.
1: And a couple of times last night, they were getting good looks. Joe Johnson created a couple of good looks for himself, and I thought that game could go the other direction, and it might be 3-1 going back to Miami with a possible clincher in game five. But the Hornets, they were really tough, and, like, you, Jeremy Lin was awesome. He was really playing last night. He had the bank shot that – uh Apparently he did not intend to do. <laughs> he was going back with his hands yeah. out. Like, he'll take it. Yeah. MJ but, shrug. Yeah, <laughs> right. With MJ in the building. <laughs> with him in the building, yes, and yeah. at the end of the bench. But I don't know. This is uh, shaping up to be a great finish to the series. I don't know. What are your guys' predictions for the I, – I don't know. This is a tough one for me.
3: It's tough. I think the winner of Game 5 is ultimately going to win the series. And uh, with with Charlotte having won the last two and having all that youth and energy on the floor – um, this this is a team that hadn't pr- prior to this past week won a playoff game in over a decade, and you have Kemba Walker, one of the most athletic point guards in the league, playing with that confidence. And um, I, don't, I don't think they have anyone on the Heat who can match up defensively with him when he's really. They definitely it. struggle to contain him. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an older team. The Heat, you got uh, veterans on the Heat versus the youth and excitement of the Hornets. So I, I think. Yeah I am going to go uh Hornets and 6. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Okay. I think they're going to wow. keep on riding so back this back to back.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to keep winning. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be that would be impressive.
1: I still I'm going to go Heat and 7, but I, I could definitely see the Hornets pulling it off. They're yeah, right now they're feeling yeah, I'm
0: gonna it. Have to agree with you, Kevin I think the Heat are in seven because they just have the veterans. You know, Dwayne Wade's gonna gather the crew and like, come on guys, pick it up. Hassan Whiteside. Especially heading home, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean the Hornets the Hornets are young, but this this is good for the team moving forward for next season. You know, the guys they have a lot of young guys like Vinny said, like Kimball Walker. You know, uh, Frank Kaminsky. So they they have a good future ahead of them.
1: Yeah, and Kaminsky in Game Three, he had a great third quarter. I think he had 12 points in that third quarter. And there had been a lot of talk beforehand because Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing had both told the uh, Hornets head coach Steve Clifford that they need to post up Frank Kaminsky more. And Frank comes out and he has a rough first half, but he really answered in the second. Yeah. And uh, th- so they're they're looking solid. I. Yeah, I, I still have to go with the the seven, Miami and seven prediction. But one of the, the thing I have to say is they managed to win two games without Nicholas Batum, who was one of the only guys who showed anything in the first two games down in Miami. I I'm impressed that the guys who have stepped up really have uh, have have carried this team. We'll move on to the games that are tonight. We're we're going right through all these series that are tied two two, plowing through. them. Let's start off with the Raptors Pacers. A series that coming into it, some, a lot of people didn't think was going to be great. Some of the prediction models had the Raptors struggling, and I guess it, it was right because this is a, this is a really tough series for them. Demar Derozan and Kylo Alley just haven't shown up the the way that people expected. I think that's going to change, but it needs to change tonight because I think if it goes, this is another one where if it goes to Indiana into a crazy environment in there, uh, for Game Six when the the Pacers are already up. I think that one could finish right out in Game 6, and the the Raptors would have another early exit in the playoffs, and they're sitting around looking at each other again with not knowing what happened.
3: Yeah, these guys have struggled in the playoffs historically. I mean, particularly DeRozan and Lowry talked about as one of the best backcourts in the league, and they haven't really showed up. Um, Paul George has overshadowed anyone on the floor.
1: I think he's the best player in the series. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I think so, for for sure. sure.
3: And, um... He he's a tough guy to guard, but you got to put somebody on him and slow slow him down. And it's not it's not like it's a one man show for the Pacers either. You get contributions from George Hill, um, inserting Turner into the starting lineup last game I think was a huge adjustment. He he's young, but he plays with such great energy, he does, and poise yeah. for a young guy. That he he's a matchup problem for anyone on the Raptors, who as you said are going to be left scratching their head if they're not able to. Get out of a first round matchup that, I mean, they're the two seed going in. It'd be embarrassing to blow this once again.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and I agree with you. Like, I feel like this series is gonna really come down to either the good guard play for the Raptors or the role players for the Pacers. So like, like you say, like guys like George Hill, Monte Ellis, and, and Miles Turner. If they, if those guys step up, because you know Paul George is gonna get you the thirty points a night, twenty five to thirty points a game a night. He's gonna come up and show and play. It's just for the Raptors are Lowry and DeRozan are they gonna come up and play versus the role players for the Pacers? And I, I feel whichever one shows up, that's who's gonna take the series.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And I, I still, I'm, I'm holding. On to it. I really think Lowry and DeRozan are are gonna pull it together. I've been. I even said it last week when they had a little bit of trouble. But I I believe that they will overcome their their playoff woes. Yeah. It's it, it's tough to watch because it's definitely in their heads. It has to be even after Game One when they lose at home. It's like, oh, are we really going through this again? I I think they can pull it off. And tonight's uh, definitely the first step because I I think Game Seven in Toronto they would win. I yeah. I have a that place. Gets yeah, rocking. That crazy. is one of my favorite environments. When you have like ten thousand fans outside the game, not even in the, in there cheering for them. They're outside the arena as well. I I think they would be able to pull it off. They lost that game seven to the Nets a few years back when Paul Pierce had the block towards the end. But I I think they would pull off this game seven. But they're they're gonna have to get there, and it's really does start tonight. Yeah. Brendan, do you have uh, something you want to jump in and at?
2: Not well. I was actually going to mention that Game Seven. Like, what about the last Game Seven that the Raptors had in Toronto, and uh, look what happened there? You know, they th- came the so close, though. I they mean, did. They <laughs> came close, but the the old aging Nets. You know, <laughs> Paul Pierce jumped up there and made the block at the end. I think it was on Lowry. It was too, on right? Lowry? Yeah. And I am just not sold on on Lowry and DeRozan. I don't think that the Raptors have really that it factor. I think I said it a couple weeks ago on the podcast that you know, I I'm just not a believer in the Raptors. They haven't shown it to me yet. Um, I'm a believer in Paul George and, and the Pacers. And I think that they have that kind of underdog seven seed mentality where they can knock off one of the, one of the top teams in the conference. Uh, so I personally, I think the, the Pacers will come out of it in six or seven. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but it, it definitely starts tonight. If the Raptors can do anything, they got to win tonight.
1: Yeah, and the the thing with the Pacers too is they could really do some damage if they made it outside, out of this round because you're looking they're going to match up with either the Heat or the Hornets, and I think they have a, that's a solid matchup either yeah. way for them.
0: I, I feel like they they might be the favorite in either matchups, especially if Charlotte comes out of out of that uh, series with the Miami Heat. I mean, like you said, Paul George, they have arguably like the best, the second best player in the Eastern Conference behind LeBron James. So. I would that, agree with that. I think yeah. he's back to that level. Yeah. I don't
1: know, if Vinny, are you in on that too? or?
0: Def- tough, definitely yeah.
3: debatable. I mean, he uh, – and there's a guy who's been here before too. He's That's come, come within thing, a game of yeah. the NBA Finals. That that Game 7 a few years ago against the Heat, back when they had um, Lance Stevenson and that team. David West, I mean, yeah, whoever. been close to the promised land, and I think just mentally having that edge, um, he's revitalized and he's – yeah, I I'll agree with that. No,
1: second second best, best in the East. East. Yeah, I think yeah. he came he really did come back this year better than he was before the injury. He mm-hmm. he really worked for it and it, the leadership he shows on that team, I think is one of the biggest things for me. Cuz I mean, it was back in those days when they were going up against the Heat in those in the Eastern Conference Finals, it was LeBron David James, West, LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron. <laughs> Fred O'Connell throwing something in there for us. Um but, yeah, when they were going up against them, it was really David West was one of their, like, true leaders. Now he's in San Antonio. Uh, but now this is Paul George's team, clearly. Yeah. There's there's really no debate. And he's showing – he's picking guys up when they're, you know, and not great, playing as well. He's showing
0: great leadership and everything on the defensive end, offensive end, getting guys together. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them.
1: It's great to have a player like that, too, who can facilitate. It's the same idea with a LeBron James. Uh, when he You can find guys – When you start having a good game and they're doubling you and you can dish out and find guys for open looks, that is so big. It it just totally changes the the dynamics completely. Um, We'll move again. Now we'll move to a topic that Brendan O'Connell is going to be really excited about, which is the Celtics-Hawks series. Uh, Our our lone Boston fan, I think, in the podcast crew. Um, Probably. The Celtics pull off that great overtime win last night. That series is also 2-2 now uh game five is or actually was that two nights ago they pulled off the two nights ago Yeah, two nights yeah so because game five is tonight in atlanta eight thirty. um isaiah thomas has been great i i want to start this off though brendan with a question for you what does it feel like as a celtics fan when marcus you're it's clear to you that marcus smart's about to pull up for a three
2: every single time marcus smart t- t- takes a shot i say no i scream at the television <laughs> no and half—I mean, half the time out it goes last in. Time. Yeah, yeah. I call him either Marcus Smart if he's playing well, or Marcus Stupid if he's yeah. playing terribly, because he has two different personalities where he's either great or just absolutely dreadful. Get him off the court, so. Yeah. Uh, but he's every playing time great he defense takes on shot.
1: Paul Millsap, I think that's been one that of the was, biggest things. That
2: was that was the key to uh, Game Four, I think. Yeah, the, I mean, even though he dropped forty-five, he's, made, five, he's yeah. when he stepped. Well, in, um, he he stepped in and with like seven minutes left in regulation, I right. think Brad Stevens finally made that adjustment. Hey, let's put our best defender on on their. And that's you know, what it, best when it, it changed tonight. because
1: Millsap, I think, he was a little bit worn out at that point. But I mean, Smart really stepped up at that point. I think and he and went
2: two of six with four points for the rest of the game after scoring whatever forty-one it was yeah. against. And that was smart on yeah.
1: That's see. That's impressive when you can step in as an undersized guy and pull off that kind of uh, defensive stand. I I think he's huge for them, especially with Avery Bradley out. Um, I don't know if there's been any news on when Bradley will be back. Is is there any chance he'll be back for late in the series? I think
2: he's very unlikely. Yeah, which is unfortunate because he's one of the Celtics' best players. And yeah,
0: he, I think that just goes to show how you know great of a coach Brad Stevens is to kind of like. That's your best best defender on the team, second leading scorer to kind of like still have the series tied up and make this a series, and have other guys stepping up and stuff like that. It just shows how great of a coach he really is.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jay Crowder still he's hurting. Uh, He's got that high ankle sprain that he had. I think it was kind of midway through the end of the year, Um, and then he 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 still came back after a few weeks, and that's when the Celtics dropped a little bit in the standings. Came back early, but he's still fighting through it, and he's playing pretty well at the moment.
2: He's had a rough start to the series, but he's definitely bounced back. Yeah. You know, game four especially.
1: Game four was big, yeah. And his, I mean. He contributes
2: at both ends, though, at all times, so.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Now, I can't remember. Did they slide him over to Millsap at all? Because... If if it was him going up against Millsap, I don't remember. But I
2: can't... just get Jared Sullinger off the floor, Brad Stevens. <laughs> oh, he man. is terrible.
1: Yeah. Well, Jarevko has been playing great, so I say roll with him. There were a couple times where he was on the bench, and I was surprised that he hadn't gotten back out there. He's been a game changer.
2: Yeah, he. I think he scored, you know, nine straight points or something between the end of the third and start of the fourth, and then he had Smart step up with eight straight points in the fourth. So they're getting contributions from all those role players. Um, which is really key because they can't rely solely on Isaiah, solely on, you know, guys like Evan Turner because they just don't, especially Turner doesn't really have that consistency. So they need guys to step up who aren't really, you know, used to stepping up, especially with a guy like Bradley on the bench and yeah. even Olinick on the bench. Uh, not that I'm the biggest Olenek fan, but uh, they need those guys to keep stepping up.
1: And to shift just a little bit towards the Hawks now, I don't think, I mean, we were talking a lot about the Celtics. I think this Hawks still have a great chance. I think uh, another game five that's absolutely humongous. But I think even if the uh, Hawks were to lose this game, I think they'd still have a chance in Boston. They're one of the teams that I think could actually pull it off uh, in a game six on the road. I Jeff Teague has been solid. Uh, there's been a lot of extracurriculars with Dennis Schroeder. The Celtics are <laughs> not getting along with him. Um I, my prediction Ugh. is going to be Hawks is Hawks in seven, but I definitely think the Celtics can pull
0: it off. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this the Hawks since they've been there, um, kind of had they were in the playoffs last year, had a nice little run before uh, losing to the the Cavs. But regardless, whoever wins the series, I feel are going to get sweet by the by the Cavs in the next series. I feel like you the Cavs that's are, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I I I mean the Cavs are playing great. So I mean I know we're talking to all this Celtics Hawk talk, but. Whoever advances is going to get smacked. I, next I think. Series, well, I, I think if
1: the Hawks advance, the Hawks will get smacked because I've seen. I've, I've yeah. said this before. I don't think the Hawks match up well at all. They usually just get absolutely trashed. I think the Celtics have a better chance. Vinny, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I, I don't see either team matching
3: up particularly well. Do you think well it's a Cleveland. sweep like Brenton thinks? Though I would say, I would say I'll go Cavs in five against <sighs> either team, okay. just because of how how, how well Kyrie Irvin played that first he round. He was awesome, incredible. Man. Yeah, um, he put up crazy numbers and you you got LeBron as well of course so if they're firing on all cylinders which we haven't really seen all season the Cavs are a dangerous team and in in this series I I probably have the Hawks advancing in seven but I could really see it going either way and that's just because the Hawks are a little bit more balanced in the scoring department Uh, they have Millsap went for 40 the other night and then there are games earlier in the series where he doesn't get into double figures. So they they're just real balanced. Teague can fill it up. Um where whereas the Celtics really if Isaiah Thomas is not putting in twenty five plus, I don't think they have a chance to win the game.
1: Yeah, they I I I think I would agree with that just because they don't without Bradley and if Olinick's not on there producing, they really don't have much margin for error. It's there's not a lot of scoring outside of those guys.
2: Yeah, I maintain that they can beat anyone in the East and lose to anyone in the East. So I wouldn't be shocked if they lost this series in six. i I'd be surprised, but pleasantly surprised if they move on to the next round. And I think that if they face the Cavs, they could win in seven. But I know that's oh, blasphemous. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's blasphemous. That's seven. that's well, a little bit of my We've Homer had some bold coming.
1: predictions on this podcast that's in the past. So. Bold
2: that's they, <laughs> all right. <laughs> the Celtics could win this series in six or seven or easily lose it. So it really comes comes down to whether they execute like they did at home in games 3 and 4 or whether they come out slow, get behind early, you know, never really catch up like they did in game 2 and even to a lesser extent in game 1.
1: Yeah. And just to uh talk a little bit more about Avery Bradley. If he were to come back I think for the Cleveland series, it would be they they would have a much better shot to at least push it into the six range. I don't think they can beat uh I don't think they can beat the Cavs either. But I would be, you know, pleasantly surprised if your prediction ended up coming true.
2: Yeah, I'm just not sold on the Cavs. I'm not sold on the Whoa. Celtics either. But
1: yeah, I don't think I don't think the Cavs are going to beat the Western Conference winner. But I do think they're going to come out of the East.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to come out the East, and
1: they should come out of the I East. Mean, yeah,
0: yeah, I think they they are going to come out the East. And um, one thing that like everybody should like really notice is the way Kevin Love is playing. And like, I think with this change with David Blatt and and Teron Lou coming in, he, he's he's made an emphasis on giving Kevin Love the ball and that w- with giving someone the ball, like it just makes them more engaged in the game. And like, you know, he's playing hard on defense, he, him and Tristan Thompson on the, on the boards and, you know, Kyrie and LeBron are going to play well each and every night. That, that's, that's yeah. a given. But if Kevin Love is stepping up every night, I think that's huge for the, huge for the Cavs. And like, he's just, He's just acting like he wants to play. He he's looking a little bit more happier this year that Teron now that Teron lose the coach. And I think that's really important. And that's why I say, you know, whoever comes out the Hawks or the uh Celtics series have have really no chance against the Cavs.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And so we'll move now to the Warriors rockets series. Unfortunately we have to talk about another injury with Steph Curry going down, uh slipping on a sweat spot on the floor. In game four, he's got a, a grade one MCL sprain, uh, sprain, and it it's possible they're saying a minimum of two weeks he's out. So the Warriors obviously are rooting for the Portland-LA series to go as long as possible so they can get him back, at least in the middle of the next series. Because um, I think if Portland moved on, they could give the Warriors trouble, but the Warriors have to focus on closing this one out. I think they need to close this game, the game five out. I don't think they want to be going back to Houston. Because the more you give Houston a chance and they're believing, they came back from a 3-1 deficit last year against the Clippers. Um, I'm not a big Houston fan. I Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I I don't really want to watch them play anymore. But I think you don't want to give them any belief and if they start banding together. Because we've seen there was a lot of talk after James Harden hit the shot uh, against, against the Warriors to win that game. You look at the bench and they're not really celebrating. You see Dwight Howard and those guys, they're not into it. And I... Cannot stand seeing that you're in the playoffs. Your best player just hit a really likely game winner. They tried to claim afterwards that it was just that they thought, oh, the war. We've seen the Warriors hit crazy shots before. That's not what it is. Yeah. Their their chemistry's terrible. They're they've got bad attitudes, and I- I'm f- I'm sick of seeing it. So I, I do want to see them out of the playoffs, but I I do think that they can they can put up a fight.
3: Yeah, you're not alone in that opinion. That uh, Dwight definitely. Gained a lot of haters after that uh, <laughs> sulking. Um, he probably wishes he was on the floor instead of watching uh, Harden. Yeah, that's Harden what win I think it game. was. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and we saw there, there was a stretch in game four against, I, I think it was in the second quarter, where Houston just went on this run and Howard was playing energetically. And you saw the potential of h- how good these guys can be if everyone's playing together and they're playing with the right energy. But the, the problem is the consistency with, with Houston, too many defensive lapses. And with, with Steph out of the game in, in that second half, I, I thought the Rockets would come together, motivated, and it was the complete opposite. Golden State blew them out just because of a lack of focus. So I, I don't really see uh, Houston taking any more games, even without Steph. I, I don't really – even if they were able to steal one tonight, I, I don't see it being – too too dangerous for, for the Warriors, and I think that um, they're going to take care of business and also sort of be looking ahead to the next round.
1: Yeah, and one thing to note is that uh, without Curry this season, the Warriors were three and two. They're two and one against the Rockets. They've actually out of those five times played the Rockets three times, um, and the one the one loss was the the one where Harden hit the shot. I I think they can they can definitely still do it, but they definitely want to close it out in Game Five. The on just on Curry real quick. I remember one of my friends in high school got this had the same injury and he ended up being out for I think it was 3 or 4 weeks. Now obviously he's not an NBA player and he's not going to come back. He doesn't have the same kind of trainers. But I I'm concerned that this could be longer and if they're looking to you know pushing in even the Western Conference finals if they were able to make it that far. Then this could be a real problem, and it's just devastating. I, I, the biggest problem I have so far with the playoffs is the injuries. Yeah. It's just so sad seeing them, and they're they're just freak accidents That's too. so
0: sad for my team and me. <laughs> I'm such a big supporter. <laughs>
1: so, on that note, um, yeah, it's it's it really is. It's terrible, and it's uh, it, it's really, it's kind of taking the air out of some of the playoffs. Luckily, we still have these series that are tied up two two, but. The injuries are just driving me nuts. and I know that's how some of the teams that in the past have won the championship, they've gotten lucky with injuries, and that's kind of happened. We saw the Warriors run last year. They really didn't have anybody get injured, and that was a huge part of why they were able to pull it off. So it it, it, it comes down to luck a lot. But Chris Paul getting his hand stuck in a jersey, it's its really tough to see these things happen. Yeah. I don't know. We'll move on now. The last One of the last things we'll talk about is the Spurs Thunder. It's a series we've all been looking forward to for a while. We've been talking about it for a while. So let's talk about it some more. Uh, game one would be on Saturday. Uh, the game time is TBD. Both of those guys, the Spurs, swept the Grizzlies out of the playoffs. The Thunder, uh, with the gentleman sweep, they get the 4 1 win over um, the, uh, the Mavericks. Excuse me. They, this series should be amazing. I personally think I'm going to come out with a bold prediction right off the top. And I'm going to say, I think the Spurs could win this in five games. I think the way flash. they've been playing and the way the Thunder have been playing, I think it's reasonable to see that happening. Because the, the way the Thunder played against the Mavericks didn't really get me that excited. I mean, I, I like the Spurs. I think they're clicking. And I think when you put Kawhi on, whoever's hot between Westbrook or Durant, it completely changes it. When Wes Matthews is guarding, I'm a big fan of West Matthews, but when he's guarding Durant or Westbrook, it's not the same as Kawhi Leonard. So I don't know. I think this series, I, I'm not going to say it's going to happen necessarily. I, I but I think it's very possible it could be over in five.
3: Yeah, a lot of people are, are picking the Spurs just because of the incredible regular season they had and how dominant they were against the Grizzlies. And uh, it's funny, we were just talking about injuries. This is the first time that OKC is, is healthy yeah. since, um, or but by healthy, I mean uh, Westbrook and Durant, both at 100% for the playoff stretch since... um. 2014, they, they actually lost to the Spurs in, in the conference finals in six. Um, but, yeah, I think with um, w- with OKC healthy and um, those big bodies down low, um, Adams and Cantor. Adams put, has been playing really yeah, well. Really yeah, really well. And Cantor. Yeah, both of, them, yeah, yeah well. both of them have been great. And you, you're getting defense from Adams, offense from Cantor. If you can combine the two of them, you have an <laughs> yeah. all-pro. Uh, it'll be first-team all-NBA. But, um. I think the X factor for OKC is going to be um, uh, Serge Ibaka on the defensive end going up against Aldridge. I think that'll be the matchup. And the Spurs, it's no secret, I think they're going to look to Aldridge to be the the sort of run the offense through him. He he was the big acquisition in the off season, and he's kind of had a dominant yet quiet regular season. So it, that's the matchup that I look to to dictate who's going to win the game.
0: Um, I'm I'm just looking forward to who's going to match up with Russell Westbrook. I know you said, you know, if you put Kawhi Leonard on him and stuff, but, you know, Kawhi is probably going to have to guard Kevin Durant, and I just feel um, it's going to be a huge mismatch when if uh, they have Patrick Mills on him or they have Tony Parker on Westbrook, and I just feel like Westbrook's going to take advantage of that. And I think this series really comes down to if, if KD can get that killer mentality that Westbrook has you know that to that that I'm gonna go score that I'm gonna shoot the shots and stuff like that if if KD had the same killer instinct as Westbrook I feel like they'll have like they'll have a really good chance to win this series
1: so what do you on that note what do you think of how Durant's been acting recently because a lot of people are opposed to it I won't necessarily say either way for myself but I mean he had the he got the flagrant two against Justin Anderson got tossed out of the one game and just kind of a a shift in the way people are looking at Durant now. I don't know. Is that kind of what you're looking for? Is that a a positive? Well, well, I
0: mean, no, that's actually kind of like a negative. I think that's just out of frustration. I think he was a little frustrated with the Mavericks and, you know, kind of frustrated with Mark Cuban comments about calling Russell Russell, uh, Westbrook not a superstar. He was kind of frustrated. They were a little you know, Wesley Matthews was a nagging defender and you know, and stuff like that, the the Mavericks are kind of getting under, trying to get under their skin, as, like, you saw when, like, Westbrook was, in Cameron we were doing a little introduction and stuff like that, so I kind of just thought that was just out of frustration, I mean, like, that killer mentality that Westbrook has, Westbrook tries to kill everything on the court, like, it doesn't matter about anybody, he tries to kill everybody, and I feel if, if KD can get that mentality, then they'll be really good, sometimes he's kind of, like, taking that back seat towards Westbrook, and he's the better player, he's the better scorer, and stuff like that, so... We'll see. We'll be interesting to see what happens this year. I think
2: that's their only shot to, to win this series is if Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, they'll probably need both of them to to get that mentality and to kind of play angry almost because you saw what happened in that Mavericks series, ended in five pretty easily. Uh, the Thunder just kind of t- took over behind their two superstars uh, because they had that clear instinct, that, that mentality that, you know, nothing's going to get in our way, and it was a real rivalry, like, we don't really see a lot of those in the NBA anymore, and and since it was a battle, it was really yeah. Chipping. Since Durant yeah. and Westbrook took up that that cause on their own, they they were able to really sweep the Mavics aside and just move on to the Spurs.
1: And we are one thing I will say is that we're definitely due for a big Kevin Durant game because I think there will be one of those times where he's going to drop like 40. We're going to see it happen. He's just been a little bit cold. And I think we will see that. Um, I don't know if it'll be enough to overcome the Spurs. I will say if. My bold if I had to get really bold with it, I would say that Spurs and five, but I have a feeling this one could go the distance. It could go seven, and I'll still go with the Spurs because they have home court advantage and just cause the experience on that team is kind of unparalleled. I love their leadership. I I really like the Spurs in this one.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go uh it, it could very well go Spurs. They're they're the favorite coming in. I'm gonna go Thunder and six with um, Durant being a little bit more comfortable than he was in the past series and also uh, Deion Waiters as an X-Factor coming off the bench and sort of playing that James Harden role of creator who can come off the bench and um, also facilitate. He had a great series against the Mavs, so I I look to Waiters to uh, pick up some of the scoring slack.
1: He was definitely getting some open looks against the Mavs, too. They didn't all fall, but like you said, he had a pretty solid series. Um, I, I think he could be big for them. It, it is going to come down to the bench, though, I think, whether they can push this.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Thunder and 7.
1: Thunder and 7? Okay. Yeah,
0: I, I feel like I think the Thunder can get them at home that, in that Game 7. I feel Katie's going to come. It's, this series is going to be a back-and-forth back series with the San Antonio Spurs winning some games and the Thunder winning games. But I feel the Thunder have the th- kind of like t- two, top, two of the top five best players in the world, and that's going to... You know, help him in the end. Yeah, Brandon, I think what are the, you thinking? I
2: think the Spurs will win this series. I'm not going no? to, to put a number on it. No, if you had to put it, if I had to put a number on it, seven. So, okay. but my bold prediction is that if if the Thunder are eliminated in six or fewer, meaning you know four, five, or six, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is gone. He's going to sign with a different team in the off season. That's my bold prediction from the series.
1: I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah I think it definitely yeah. has to go much further for that because. There has been a lot of talk about that throughout the season. What you know, what might happen with Durant, and a big run has been said to be one of the only things that'll keep him in OKC. And going out in the Western Semis early in the series would definitely give him a little nudge out the door. I think. I don't know. a lot of the talk is that the thing that makes the most sense is just signing a one-year deal, playing out with wet playing Westbrook's contract out, and then both of them seeing what happens after that. But an early exit this year, I think, would it would have it would definitely force him to at least reconsider. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see how that goes. This series, no matter what, is going to be must-watch television throughout. This is the one, really, for months I'm looking forward to the most. This, and then obviously the Western Conference Finals with either the Warriors, if if they end up making it, and the Spurs or Thunder. These are really the big ones to watch. I think. Um, we'll see how they go. Let's. Uh, we're kind of running out of time here. So we'll start wrapping up. The last thing I want to talk about really briefly is just the Kings came out with a new logo today. They're going to be rocking um it's kind of we're seeing kind of a move to simplicity. It's similar it reminds me a bit of the Milwaukee Bucks new logo. Uh so they're shifting over. It's a very a pretty simple design. I like it. I haven't. I don't really have a problem with the Kings logo that they had, but a lot we're seeing a lot of teams now mixing it up. I don't know what you guys are are feeling yeah, I, about I, it.
0: Yeah, I, I took a look at it. I, I actually like it as well, and I feel like you know, they kind of you know they're moving into a new arena next year, so they kind of want to have like a new beginning. They're probably going to hire a new coach, and yep. it's kind of like a new beginning. So I feel like it's different, and you know I, I actually like it. So
3: I think it's a good looking logo. I think it'll go over. A little bit better with Kings fans if they can get some wins. Yeah. Um, maybe <laughs> That's what matters. Yeah. Bring back Chris Webber, uh, Mike, Mike <laughs> Bibby out of retirement. Um, because it's it's been a rough past decade, really, for the Kings after those early uh, 2000 teams were, were real good, and they just have had the worst luck. So hopefully some more wins. With this new new logo.
1: Yeah, bad luck and some some rough management at times, but we'll see. Uh Brandon, what's your I'll get your I opinion too? I agree with you, Kevin.
2: I don't have a problem with their logo as it is, but uh their new one looks pretty solid, looks pretty good. Um and I think that uh I agree with Vinny too, that the fans, you know, they probably don't care much about the logo. They they just want to see some wins and that might come with uh breaking up their core if they really have to, you know, revamp and kinda go for that new look, new attitude uh thing you know full throttle then it'll take more than just changing up that logo
1: it's a weird situation because you don't know who's going to go in just to get into the sacramento kings for a little bit here uh who's going to come in to coach them uh they've had a lot of they've had a rough history they finally got a coach that boogie got along with mike malone boogie gets sick and is out and they fire mike malone you bring in george carl who he butted heads with throughout it's a it's been tough for the kings i don't know maybe this is just a move to try to sell some more merchandise and it's a, it's a new look. I, I do like it, but I'm I'm interested by the fact that we're seeing a lot of logos now that are getting simpler rather than the more uh, extravagant ones. Yeah,
2: my other real quick question for you guys is if you could take any NBA franchise and kind of revamp their logo or kind of change Ooh. it up and, and give it a whole new look, which franchise would it be?
1: That's a good question. If you're asking it, do you have an answer? Because you can give us a little time to think here.
2: Um, I don't have an answer off the top of my head, but I think the Thunder, to be honest with you, if they could keep their same colors, but if they came out with a, a real cool logo, I know it's hard to do something with a, a mascot, I guess you could call it, like the Thunder. But uh, if they could come up with something, that would be cool, especially because they're one of those top-tier teams. Um, you don't often see those kind of teams change it up. That You usually see a team like the Kings or... You know, yeah. in, in football, like the Jaguars or something, just or the Buccaneers <laughs> yeah. changed their look, changed their uniform. Um, but it'd be a nice change of pace if the Thunder, even though they're a new franchise who just kind of went through that process, if they were able to do it.
1: I think, uh, I think for me, it would be to be between either the Grizzlies or the Pistons. I think the Pistons is really simplistic, which in some ways is nice. But uh, the Grizzlies, I think they could go for another look. I really, I love the Vancouver Grizzlies look back in the day. Um but yeah that that one's a little too boring for me. If that if I had to come up with one I think that'd be the one I'd go with. Yeah those Vancouver
3: Grizzlies jerseys are, are yeah. some of the best throwback yeah, jerseys. Yeah they're classics. In the um I I think I'm going with the Brooklyn Nets logo. I I've hated the Nets whole whole look <laughs> since since they made the move to Brooklyn just the the black. I, I wasn't really feeling since since they moved in. They haven't had great luck with it, so I, I'd go with something a little more colorful or, or just something more than that. That basketball with the B on it. Uh, I am not liking it.
0: <laughs> and uh for me it has to be the Wizards. You know, I'm from D C. Oh um, yeah, okay. Uh I want I really want them to go back to the bullets look. I like that look and stuff, so that's
1: another classic. We're talking best throwbacks. Yeah. That's one of the best ones for <laughs> yeah, sure. So that's a good one. All right.
2: Also, well, I think the Rockets, real quick, could do something oh, yeah. really nice if they if they changed it up. That look is not really that good.
1: I agree with mm-hmm. you. I didn't think of them. That's a good one. I, I would say the same for them. Um, on that note, we'll wrap it up here. I want to thank you guys. Vinny DeBellis, thank you for being on today. I hope I you had a good you. time. Brenton Petty, not your nice debut. Well. I hope it went well. I hope <laughs> yes. you enjoyed it. It was great. And Brendan O'Connell behind the board. I'm Kevin Kelly. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the hoops tonight and throughout the week. And we'll be back next week with another one.
0: A chance the open lane. Don't get nervous, don't sweat. Everyone's watching. You can do it, man. I mean, just dribble up, go double dribble, just dribble normal. Don't tell everyone that you can dribble super fast between their legs like you do in your driveway. No, this is in front of people on a court. I'm gonna go up in the air.